conversation. So welcome and happy Tuesday to everybody. This is the first episode of the fourth season of the Open Heart Collective. And as you guys are probably wondering, Ryan, you're in a different location. I actually just moved into my new office today. Um, so that being said, this fourth season, we're taking it with a bit of a different approach. Same type of conversation, same same content, same structure, all of that, but we're taking it to another level. So with that being said, I, what better way to kick off this fourth season than with the man who literally epitomizes next level, Mr. Rosario Smyrn of Quit Bitching Coalition. Now, I've had the sincere pleasure of knowing Rosario for quite some time, but I've had to I have had to get him on a guest as a guest for this show. So if you are new to the Open Heart Collective and you're like, what is this? What are you guys talking about? Why is Ryan looking in two different places all at the same time? This is a live video podcast that is simultaneously broadcast on Facebook and right here on Instagram as well. So if you see me kind of bouncing around the two, that's why. Now, on top of that, this this episode will also be available in audio form as well as on YouTube. So make sure that you stay tuned for it later in the week. The Open Heart Collective was a show that started back in March of 2018 with the premise of having open, raw, real conversations about mental health from amazing individuals such as Rosario who have led incredible, incredible lives, who've done a lot of amazing work, but have also had moments of struggle, have also had periods of time in their life when it's been dark, but now are at a different space. And the objective is to not only obviously learn a bit of Rosario's story, but also to dive in and figure out, okay, what were those dark moments that he had to overcome and what he did to overcome them? And in addition to that, all right, we need to know all the exciting things because when we talk exciting things around mental health, we give those people who are coming up behind us who are struggling hope. And that's the entire purpose of this community is to inspire hope. Now, a little bit of housekeeping for everybody who's tuning in. This is a safe space. This is a space that does not promote hate, does not promote judgment, does not promote ridiculing or anything along those lines. If I see it anywhere in any episode at any given time, you will be removed because this is a place where we can be honestly vulnerable and have raw, real conversation. So with that being said, welcome to the Open Heart Collective, Rosario. It's an hey. honor to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So, give us an introduction. Tell us, Rosario. Talking about me? Yeah. This is this is not the Ryan show. This is the Rosario show now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I've known you about two years. Um, from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, as you said, I owned a, a apparel company, Quip Pitching Coalition. We opened it about four years ago. Um, that's something I'm working on, you know, the most right now. Uh, I grew up. Um, playing high school, college sports, and all, everything within my life brought me to this point of, you know, quit bitching coalition and other things. I got three kids, a wife, and a happy family. Three boys. Keep me busy. Three boys. Whew. Uh, that, that makes for a crazy life, especially when you're also an entrepreneur. Yeah. So, so to dive deeper in that, you said you were you were an athlete, high school, college. I'm assuming when you were when you were an elementary kid as well. Like what what was your passion when you were in sports? What was the the sport that you loved the most for baseball. those on the feed who don't know you? Oh, baseball, hundred percent. I played them all, but baseball was my by far my favorite, and probably probably I'd say my best sport, definitely. 
What made it your favorite? Uh, my whole family played it. My fa- my father, grandfather, we've been playing it since I was two years old. So, you know, just something uh, I picked up young and uh, probably became obsessed with it. It's my, uh, you know, pretty much all I wanted to do until I couldn't do it anymore. So that was it. That was my pretty much everything at one point. Right. So that, that, that was the quick version of the Rosario story. I want to know the deeper version. So it was, so you were a young kid, you got into baseball, parents played it, grandpa, dad played it. Mm-hmm. What was the, what was the family level of expectation that, that was put on you to, to actually excel in the sport? Was that something that was put on you or was it, because I mean, when we come, I mean, when people come from high, high achieving families or highly like athletic lineage families, they're expected to be at a certain level. They're expected to accomplish a certain thing by a certain age because that's what the other person in the family did. So what growing up in a sports family, how was that for you? Uh, it wasn't too bad. I mean, they they my parents, you know, they wanted what I wanted. And that's all I wanted to do was play baseball. Right. That's pretty much it. So they didn't push me towards it, really. But they they knew that they, they supported me, but they definitely knew I wanted to do it. So they were definitely cool with that. But that's like I said, at one point, that's all I really wanted to do. I mean, baseball is one of those sports, I mean, that you have to have a passion for it because it's got such a skill mm-hmm. to it. It's not like it's not like football where, I mean, which don't get me wrong, has a certain level of skill. It's one of those things where you just kind of go all in and, and have to be excel in your particular field or your particular role. And everybody's piece and everybody has a different role to play. Mm-hmm. So when you when you were growing up, what? maybe in sports in particular, what were some of those moments that you had where, you, where there were struggles that you had to overcome? So let's kind of start to address a bit of those. Growing up, I didn't really have any struggles going up playing sports. I mean, that's all, I mean, you know, it worked hard. I mean, there was really no, you know, no struggles. I mean, the only time I really was stressed about sports was when it was over, you know, when I was 23. So then how did you deal with it when it was over then, if that was how you struggled? Avoided it. You know, just didn't really deal with, didn't watch baseball for a while, you know, stuff like that. It took me a while to start watching it again, you know, even with my kids. And then once once they came around, I had to, you know, get over that part. But that was, you know, that was that. Was that. Not something I talk about too much, you know. But, yeah, that was, that was, that was it. Pretty much, I mean, you know, sports are sports, you know. That's it. But it took me to where I'm at today, so I'm good with it now. It took me a while, though, a couple of years, but we're good now. <laughs> I mean, the, the the journey is always the best part, right? Sure. Because you, you experience so much. You grow in certain ways that maybe you didn't anticipate growing before. I mean, it was music that's led me to this, to hosting this, to hosting this show, to being in, involved in marketing and advertising, to being involved in in, in doing in, in life as a coach and life as a, as a, as a creative and as a content creator and all of those, it, it's definitely one of the pieces where, so when you're looking at all of it and all the things that you have the ability to do now, now running, running an apparel brand and a lifestyle company, which I've had the s- distinct honor of working behind the scenes. And for the last couple of months, mm-hmm. what, what was maybe that moment in your life that was a period of transition that, okay, I can't play sports anymore. Like childhood was great, right? Like you've already said that childhood was great. Sports was amazing. And then it stopped. 
what made me get older? Like, when, like, like, no, what, what was the feelings when it had to stop? And then what did you do to move past it and through it? Um, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, let, let, I want, I want to say it again that this is a safe space. So this is one of the things where I'm going to push you to go a little bit deeper with that. I'm not a deep and, dude, um, I mean, you don't going to get so far with me. I mean, I'm just being real with you. Fair enough, know, but that's not me. Other people, other people have said that too, and I've gotten stuff out of them. But anyways, good luck. So, um, but um, what I mean, <laughs> um, what I'm saying, well, no, I mean, it was it was a time I had to get over it. You know, couldn't sit around, mm-hmm. kind of keep on moving, and. Uh, it took a while. Um, I don't know the exact point when I got over it, but it was, you know, it was tough. I remember, you know, the first couple pro baseball games going to to watch, you know, when my kids were a little, you know, a little, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda type thing, you know, but, you know, that was probably the best, you know, best part about it, sharing it with them, you know. But, you know, it was, it was, like I said, it's all, at one point was all I really cared about. I mean, besides family, you know, sports and, you know, it, it's something I don't think I was unique to go through because I think every athlete that either had the ability or wanted the ability to go to the, you know, big leagues, um, you know, I think it's, some people hit them at, you know, 18, they're done in high school. Some make play 10 years in the pro, some play four years of college and a little bit in Italy. You know what I mean? Who knows? I don't think very many competitive athletes, um, ever um uh just like you know it's over one day it's like yeah, getting fired from a job you know we'll get another job you know if you if you get to the, the level that i thought i was at that you had to work it's hard to get to play for is your division one it doesn't just happen so you have to be that a competitive person to be that so most people don't just you know get over it now some take it harder than others depends on what your expectation was but you know it was tough i mean it was it was, it was what it was you know so that was like the main, you know, the you know the main thing. But I always say, like, if uh, not making to the big leagues is the worst thing I had to deal with in this life, I feel pretty fortunate. You know what I mean? I got healthy kids, healthy family. Both my parents are alive. My sister. That's that. At twenty three years old, was I thinking that way? Because you think, you know, everyone's gonna live forever, you know. But at this point, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, I've had a pretty good life. You know, not too many hardships. Everyone, you know. Is pretty much alive, you know. So it's that's if that's the worst life, the worst thing that had happened to me. I'll take that any day, any ten thousand times over. I mean, and that's the great thing too is like the when when we're talking mental health, right? Mm-hmm. You could still have everything working out for you and still not feel great. You still have bad days. Still, I mean, everybody sure. has bad days. Oh, Even the people yeah. at the top of their, like, uh, I mean, they're they're. I'm a big Chicago Bears fan. And a couple, two weeks, uh, two Sundays ago, one of my favorite defensive players on the team, Roquan Smith, had mm-hmm. to s- sat out for personal reasons. Sure. Now, some there's been some speculation as to why he sat out, but honestly, I think a lot of it had to do with he just wasn't feeling here. Mm-hmm. He what he wasn't in the he wasn't in the the right mind frame to be able to play at his level, at the mm-hmm. level that he expected of himself. So that that to be said, I mean, athletes especially, this is. How I mean, how frequently as an athlete did you guys talk about how you were feeling in your head or how you were feeling in your heart going into a game, going into or coming out of the locker room, maybe like go, or going in the dugout and in, in, in for the instance of baseball, when you had a bat at bat and you're like, fuck. And then you get into your own head because we as humans tend to do that. We, we tend to overanalyze, especially as an athlete. Okay, mm-hmm. I could have done this better, right? Because what's the first thing that we see, especially watching like pro, pro football? 
a quarterback throws an interception, what do they do? They go back to the bench and they pull out the tablet and they start to review the exact play that they fucked up. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, uh, sure. So I, I think as an athlete, we do that. And I've had a couple of pro, former uh, pro athletes on the show, or one in particular, uh, as a previous guest, but he struggled with something else. Like, so you left baseball and then the moment of transition happened mm-hmm. when you found quit bitching. Mm-hmm. Let, 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 I think, I think that's the, sto- that's the, the real like meat of the story because mm-hmm. that's when life started to take a turn. You weren't able to be an athlete anymore, but you could still be affiliated with athletes. You could still work with athletes. Sure. So let's let's tell let's talk the QBC story. How that started, or like how that all tied all in. Of it. Um, all of it. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, a lot of people, you know, kind of you're kind of getting to it. You know, Quipage and Coalition was started, you know, for to help people and, and the motivational, fashionable stuff. But part of it was with me too, as well. You know, certain things my wife has said to me. You know what I mean about. You know, I've talked about the baseball for a while to it. You know, it's still. And other business ventures or things that either failed or for whatever reason did or didn't. And, um, you know, it was pu- uh, pushed not, like, you know, gassed up by that a little bit. You know what I mean? And, and, it's, and, it, and it's evolved. But that's pretty much where it started, you know. And, and, and um, you know, it's definitely helped me through things. It's also helped a lot of uh, a lot of people out there. I mean, you would not believe the DMs and emails I get of from people you know, across the world talking about, you know, they used to do this, they do this better and motivate them for this or boom, 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 boom. They got their shirt on this. So I always say it's not, it's, it's a lifestyle brand. Is it definitely teachers, but I, I like to think it's a lot more than that. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and that's, that's my goal. You know what I mean? So I, I mean, I, I get, um, sometimes I'm a counselor, you know what I mean? I have people, I don't even know asking me questions about situations and, uh, you know, I've answered, I could probably say, I always joke on, you know, uh, you know, Instagram, like when's the last time Nike returned the DM, you know, or, or fucking Under Armour wrote you back. I wrote back. I've never been an unwritten. The only people I don't write back is, you know, the 55 emails I get a day from people from Singapore and, you know, Indonesia trying to sell me shirts. You know, I, I mean, I don't even know who they are. Yeah, I don't write them back. Right. But everyone else I write back and I do the best I can. You know, I'm not a trained uh, person, but I just say what's, you know, on my mind and, you know, what I would do or maybe learn from, you know. Well, and that's just the thing too, is like, I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a mm-hmm. counselor. I don't, I don't have a degree in mental health. I'm mm-hmm. just a person who's fucking lived it. Yeah. I've been there with the blade to my wrist to, sure. and, and wondering why the fuck I'm doing this only to then be here now, 17, almost 18 years later saying I'm still here. Sure. And if I can move through it and I can see, I, I mean, I've seen hundreds of people over the years who have been like at the moment when it's potentially the last moment mm-hmm. and it, and it's being that resource. It's, it, it's to know that they're not alone because, sure. and I, I can only imagine the, I mean, I'm a big fan of QVC and I was a fan from the beginning, even before we got connected on, on, on a friendship level. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's been an absolute honor just to see the community grow in these last two years since we got connected. Sure. And the amount of people that I know are responding to you. I mean, I don't have access to like any of the social media stuff, but like mm-hmm. I can only, I see what you share. So if that's what you share, I can only imagine what's happening that you're not sharing. Oh that, yeah. That, that's coming through. And that's really where 
QVC and the Open Heart Collective are tying in because it's like we have, we are people who are leading communities mm -hmm. and the communities are, can be based around open and honest vulnerability. Like, Hey, I'm not having a good day today mm -hmm. and that's okay. Sure. But and if you say, and you can be honest with the fact that you're not having a good day, mm -hmm. those people who are looking up to you are going to actually be able to start saying, ah, I, I, it's okay for me to not have it. Oh, right? yeah, because especially yeah. being men, sure. especially being athletes, like we can't be vulnerable. We mm. can't cry. We can't do all of that shit because that's what our parents taught us and their grand and their parents taught them and those people taught them. And it goes back generationally. Mm. And that becomes an issue to where now men aren't talking about mental health. Mm. We're not talking about how we're feeling, even though that's critically important sure. to understand, especially in business. Like we can be high achieving in business, but still be broken in the head. Sure. So it's a matter of how can we actually openly convey the fact that we're struggling yet still be that high achiever that we know we are, that everybody else around us knows that we are. So sure, when sure. with, with QBC and the mission that you guys stand for, what's been, what was, I mean, we still haven't heard the why QBC started or how it started story for those people who don't know oh, the story. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we went off on a bit of a tangent there, yeah. but that's why mm. this show is an hour long mm. and not 30 minutes. Sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So tell us the QBC story. What, where did it originate? Um, it literally originated in my, in my apartment and oh. um, my, um, um, I was, you know, saw a lot of people, Complaining on Facebook and you know all this other stuff and I, I, I mean we put a, let me just back up a, a, a second before I go there and it's um yeah. it's something you need to know but just in business in life like if you told me five years ago I'd be doing t-shirts I wouldn't believe you so I didn't sit around and dream up QBC like I'm gonna start a company I'm a self teacher it was not a it it wasn't a goal right. it just kind of happened and turned out life was just own and, and as I'm as I and once I saw the vision it, it's going exactly how I thought but anyway. So I put a I put a stash on Facebook, and I was like just fed up with people, and I you know maybe talking to myself, you know, complaining about stuff, and you know life is you know too short, too many good things going on, you know, talking about all this stuff, and I put it up there, and I said t-shirts are coming out in a week, and I mean I had no ideas about t-shirts, and I went to bed, and I woke up to like ten million texts and emails, like people asking about the t-shirts, so I'm like what, what the heck? I might have something going on here. So I made a pound of bacon because that's what I do on Saturdays, a pot of coffee. And I got, I trademarked it because I'm not having this shit stolen. I said to myself, so I, I trademarked it right there. Boom. Took the status mm -hmm. down. Um, I talked to my wife, my mother, you know, and everyone seemed to love it. And I was like, well, part of my struggles in anything is I try to go. I'm like, I'm, I'm so excited. You know, boom, when we do, when we do, I came up with some three, what I caught thought were badass designs. Showed them to some people, and some people loved them because they support you. I could have put an X on a paper, and I showed them to my wife, and she's like, "These, these, can we curse here?" No. Yeah, you fucking can curse. Okay, here, by good because I should told yeah, that. Yeah, I'm trying to this, right. this, 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 but, um, this show has no filter, right? Not, None yeah. of this. Neither do I. This episode good. will be will be raw, real, live. Yeah, I just because... lost tampons on my back. Thank you. All right. So anyway, she's like, "These fucking designs suck." She didn't curse. I cursed. So, and then I was like, oh shit. So I had to start from, from scratch. 
Well, that scratch took me two years um, because you know I no one taught me how to sell T-shirts, how to do it, how to enough. I got I got scales now. You know, I got you know, drug dealers set weighing shirts and shit. Shit, I never knew how to do. So what I did is uh, I made about thirty six points of things I had to do to launch it. Um, I talked to some people. I Googled TED Chats, Googled more YouTube, called people, annoyed people till they tell me stop asking questions. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and By the I, way, the, the backbone of every entrepreneur story ever. Mm-hmm. Call people until you annoy them and tell them to sh- they tell you to shut up. Yeah. And it, you know what? It's funny. The best thing they did because, you know, they're like, you know, do some research. And I did a lot of research. So anyway, after two years getting married, having my second kid, we launched it and, um, you know, I, I teamed up some pretty good, um, you know, marketing company. I always shout out uh, Tailwind Hope, helped me do my packaging from the mints to the tissue paper stuff. I, I mean, me and tissue paper, like, I, wh- why would I think of that? I never, I never would have. I mean, <laughs> I'm not exactly um, you know, artistic. So then um, <laughs> we launched it and um, it's, it's, we've sold in 50 states and, and I'm not here to brag about it, but in terms of what it's, it's become and how right. it's, well, well, hey, hey, no, no, hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah. It's not necessarily about bragging. It's speaking the truth, right? Yeah, truth, you truth. did good. You yeah, fucking yeah. killed it. Well, Own it. Yeah, it, it, it's, there's so much more potential to go. What, 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 when I say yeah, what, what, what the success is, I'm happy with the people, you know, that we've raised money for a couple of charities. We're doing our second annual one in two weeks, you know, for uh, mm-hmm. Heart of a Hero, which is um, – my two or three things of uh, I'm uh, I like to help as a vets anything to do with child cancer anything with children so that's that's our our thing coming up in two weeks to a two month campaign give it the heart of a hero and you know, it's this guy just look like Spider Man to make it extremely short and goes and sees sick kids and their family but I'm talking across the world you know right. I'm here to London and uh, it's much just, love Ricky yeah Ricky's the man um, man he's the man but anyway we're you know we have a special short we're releasing I know you saw. It. Um, mm-hmm. we're releasing in two weeks and we take donations and we you know, try to raise a couple grand for Christmas for, uh, you know, for him and all his kids, he goes to see, but I'm, I'm just as proud as any t-shirt is all the people that I think we, I know we've touched, you know, I mean, someday I'll, you know, launching a website, as you know, pretty soon with mm-hmm. permission from these people, I'm going to start showing some of these things. If they tell me I can, their stories, or if I put an unknown person just to show these DMS, I get, and it's not the brag with the show, like you said, what people are going through and can um, get past. And some of these, some of these people that are having tough days or tough years or some of the biggest, strongest, baddest people, you, you know, you know, they're not, you know, they're, they're jacked and you would never know it by their Instagram, but they are like, as you say, they're, you know, everyone struggles, you know, but, uh, that and 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 this is why because mental health knows no boundary. Nope. nope. It's not color. It's not creed. It's not sexual orientation. It's not physical physique, success, money, love, any of those. Because it, I mean, it's the world's largest pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's persisting is because we're we become a culture that reacts to things and does not proactively act. I'm making change in things. Sure. That's yeah. why this show exists mm-hmm. is to get these, sh- is to get these conversations out of the darkness and into the light, because sure. we know that if we can shed some light on it, we can be a light in what is a dark world, which is exactly why literally I'm sitting in a dark room with one singular light facing on me because I'm being a light in the darkness. That's literally the objective of the show is to show people that they can come through it. 
well, that I mean, they can inspire with whatever sure. with whatever their backstory is. Well, no I mean, matter well, look at all the you know, look at all the the multi millionaire, hundred millionaire celebrities, you know, that that commit suicide. You think they got to be in the world a couple hundred million dollars and they're happy, and you know, so you never know, you know. I mean, being in the music industry for as long as I've been. Oh yeah, sure. I mean. When Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington um, mm-hmm. lost their battle, that was the catalyst for this. Mm-hmm. I said, I can't fucking sit in silence anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't sit and watch this become a situation that we react to with a sad face on Facebook mm-hmm. and not openly talk about it. Sure. And I mean, and I and I believe that if we would have had openness in communities like what's in the Open Heart Collective, mm-hmm. sure, then and accessible to people, we would be much further ahead in this conversation around mental health. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is just now is it starting to become a, a topic of conversation mm-hmm. and it, it takes us because that it, to stop this pandemic, it's going to take us and saying something, sure. asking for help, going up to that person that you think might be struggling and say, Hey, do you need to talk? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that's a big deal. I mean, you know, you know, I, I agree with that. I mean, I I talk to everyone, you know, walking on the street doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So you never know, you know. So right. I'm I'm a big believer in that. You know what I mean? Definitely that because I think there's way too much fucking mean people in the world doing dumb shit, posting on Instagram. You know, so definitely agree with that. I mean, we have the ability. It's it's on us. No no amount of legislation in any government across the world is going to change it. It takes us. Yep, that's the truth. And and that's why this is so important because if we can have these conversations, right? You're now the okay. So 16 episodes each season. I've done three seasons now. This so that would be what 48 guests, 49. So you're my 49th guest in this in the series of the show. Mm-hmm. That's 49 people with 49 stories, and this is just scratching the surface. Sure, that's a yeah. Sure, that's it. That's and a and. And whether it be an athlete, whether it be an entrepreneur, whether it be a musician, an artist, a creator. Look at all the veterans. Twenty, what do they say? Twenty-two a day. You know. I have twenty-seven a day. Was the last that I saw. Wow, that's terrible. And actually, one of my next objective, or one of my next guests that I really want to get on the show, um, is a person who's growing rapidly on Instagram, but uh, she goes by the name of the Fit Pizza Girl. She's a art, she's a veteran and a fitness model and pizza lover. So the fact of the matter, it's one of those things where it's like, and all of these people have stories. Like we're, we are all human. We are all connected on sure. this threat mm-hmm. of just being humans with one another. And if we have the ability to just have these conversations and say, eh, I'm not feeling it today. Sure. And, and that's okay. 